Well, good morning. What a joy to hear God's word spoken by a great cloud of witnesses. You know, this passage of scripture that we just read, this was the passage of scripture that was for my wife and I on our wedding day on that bulletin. You know how you do that nice calligraphy and usually it's some verse on love. This was the, the, the passage that we chose. And, and I think at that time we meant it in good and beautiful ways for our marriage and for the two of us. And yet something happened along the way. God takes those things that we intend to be good and beautiful, but often are very small and God bursts holes in them. He grabs us by the arm and he takes us on a journey. And for us, the journey would involve American college students, American youth, living in a Muslim village, doing theology on multiple countries, on three continents, deeper into the lives of other people on a journey that we could never even comprehend. Power together with all the saints to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Jesus Christ. Here we, we imagine something for the two of us and God has taken us on this marvelous journey in which we have been profoundly to the very core of our being shaped by people along this journey. Brian Stanley, the well-known missiologist, he talks about reverse conversion, how missionaries go and they preach the gospel and we focus upon the conversion of the people that they go to share, but what happens is in the process of sharing the gospel, they themselves become changed. And that's what happened to us, to the core of our being and, and in layers and with hybridities that we can't even understand in this hodgepodge assortment of living and dwelling with another people and feeling their pain and hearing their questions, learning from their theology and the ways that they read scripture. Isn't this what God does in God's economy? We begin with simple addition. One plus one equals two. The Holy Spirit takes us into advanced calculus. <laughs> the passage before us is a, is a well-known passage and a beautiful doxology but what is often missed in this passage, even among commentators, is this simple statement of power together with all the saints. And yet if you look at the passage and you look at the context, this clearly, in Paul's mind, he has this hermeneutical community in his mind. Because in chapter two, he's envisioning the, the Jews and the Gentiles. They were separated by this great chasm and by the blood of Jesus Christ, the two have become one. In the beginning of chapter three, he lays out his ministry and this calling that God has given him to the Gentiles and how profoundly it has shaped who he is and how he understands God. And even in the verses preceding this, he talks about, I kneel before the Father from whom every family in heaven and earth derives its name. Clearly in Paul's mind, he has this notion of this community, this power together with all the saints. All throughout history, God is doing something. God is drawing a people to himself. And what we often focus upon missionally and for good reasons is God is sending. But I want, I want us to understand that God is not just going out, but he is also drawing together. It's like the waves of a seashore in which the waves go out and they come back together. We're sent out and we receive back. We give gifts and we receive gifts. We bless, and we are blessed. 
that was a mystery for me and something in my wife's and my journey that I never expected to profound, so profoundly receive as how I've received. And that journey is still going out. And what happens in this process, like the waves of the seashore, what happens, and this is where we need to stray away from that metaphor, but what happens is layer after layer is added to our identity. And these layers begin to mix in ways that we can't even comprehend. And we, we develop a thickness of identity, not a thickness that gives us some kind of privileged seating because it's actually quite humbling. But it's a thickness that comes within us that is tested and informed by so many different voices by this hermeneutical community. And brothers and sisters, we need this thickness of identity more than at any other time in history because as we look at this world, all of our world is heaving and sighing in splinters. We see cracks and we see fissures and sometimes these cracks become great gaping chasms so deep that you could fall in and never get out. And these gaps in society between people and with our land and, and all throughout this world what happens is they become the new normal. We just, over time, we accept them. This is the way things are, not the way things are supposed to be. Sin crusts these gaping holes over, almost impervious to the touch. We see it in Iraq, we see it in Syria, we see it with the Ebola crisis, we see it all around the world, but we see it even here in America with huge gaping cracks between Republicans and Democrats, between rich and poor, between aliens and citizens, and between blacks and whites. And the gospel that we, brings to, we bring to these things often trades in the currency of easy answers. We come with easy answers, but what we find is that there is a complexity to these problems where they are deeply religious and they are socioeconomic and they are sociopolitical and they are cultural. And these things conflate with each other such that John Wesley talks about them as complicated wickedness. And all around us we see complicated wickedness, but let me tell you the good news. God's forming his own complication. It's a complication of goodness, a complication of beauty, a complication of a new humanity that is emerging in the world as the waves go out and we're sent out into the world and we bring back the gifts and we receive the gifts within ourselves. Amen. That is power together with all the saints. We see this all throughout history. We see it within God's nature. God himself defines this complexity to us, that three in one, the movement of the triune God, a giving and receiving, a sending out, a receiving back together. We see it in creation when God doesn't just create the entities, but he actually, in an audacious move, he causes the world to teem, be fruitful and multiply. But this isn't reckless, this is not chaotic, but it's controlled and God is bringing, he's holding all creation together with his integrative shalom. But when sin enters the world, what it does, it breaks apart. And so like an untethered kite on a windy day, all of creation is just blowing all around. So what does God do? He calls this couple from the east. And in the midst of their struggle with barrenness, he takes Abraham and shows him the night sky. And he says, these are going to be your descendants. 
I will bless you and I will make you a blessing to all nations. Abraham, of course, couldn't comprehend what God is talking about, but years later, Isaiah would give us this vision and it's this great eschatological banquet feast where all the nations and the Israelites are seated together. That's where we're going. God is sending out and God is receiving back. But of course, the Israelites, much like you and I, opt for privilege, for comfort, for status, to hold on to blessings for ourselves. And in one of the great ironies of Scripture, Nebuchadnezzar marches into Jerusalem, and they're marched off, the Israelites are marched off where they would dwell with the nations. Jesus enters our world and he shows us the perfect picture of God and the perfect picture of humanity. He calls together this ragtag army of disciples. Nothing special about them and he calls them together into a new community and he sends them out into the world and then he brings them back together and he sends them out into the world and he brings them back together and he is forging within them a new identity of the people of God. And so what we find with this ragtag handful of followers now becomes the church radiant in all of its diversity around the world. But it's never this reckless diversity. It's never this chaotic diversity, but God is pulling everything back together into the integrated body of Jesus Christ. And so we find ourselves in this flow, and sometimes and often what we do is we struggle with the going out part. We like to sit content like the Israelites and reify existing forms. The temptations for quiet comfort, for privileged access, for simple math confront each one of us on a daily basis. We think in small, privileged, often parochial ways while God lays out a great banquet feast for all the nations. The inclinations of our heart is to separate, to carve the world up into nice, neat compartments, to sacralize ethnicity, to trade in simple binaries, to decide things based upon color of skin or perceived notions of status. And then Jesus Christ walks in our world and he sends us out. For others of us, we, we get the sending out part. We're missional. But we struggle with the bringing back together. We send missionaries, we invest in missions, we're all about what God is doing to the nations, but much like my wife and I, we would spend years in Africa and we'd come back on home assignment, and we'd want to talk about the incredible things that we're seeing in the deep theological realities, the ways that we ourselves are changing and we're seeing the world in completely new ways that both challenge and encourage the American church, and people would say, do you have any nice stories that you can tell? How about a snake story? Do you have any snake stories? I mean, you live in Africa, right? I've got good snake stories, but that's not what God is doing in this world. It's about the gifts of the body of Jesus Christ coming back together. And it's about congregations opening their arms to say, we need those gifts even if they unsettle us, even if they shake us to the core of our being, challenging our idolatries confronting us with new visions of God in this world. And this is what God is doing, and this is what Paul is expressing. In Ephesians chapter 2, he talks about the Jews and the Gentiles being separated by this huge chasm 
this wall of hostility, which he talks about it being destroyed by the blood of Jesus Christ. For he himself is our peace who has made the two one and has destroyed the barrier, the dividing wall of hostility. His purpose was to create in himself one new humanity out of the two, thus making peace, and in this body to reconcile both of them to God through the cross. You see, the cross of Jesus Christ is not just central to entering salvation. The cross of Jesus Christ is central for us growing in sanctification. And we can only do that with all of the gifts, with the global ecclesia, with reaching out and saying, let the, the, the cross of Jesus Christ tear down those barriers and those walls that exist in our churches and between nations, between color of skin and socioeconomic status, and let us run with open arms into the other even when we're terrified because the, the blood of Jesus Christ is doing a work in us. I shared with you, we used to work among Muslims, and after being there for a number of years of living their pain, their joys, their trials, learning their language, every day immersed in their lives in this deep and profound and beautiful way, we had shared with them about the blood of Jesus Christ. We had talked to them about salvation, but in many ways in incomplete ways. And, and I asked my neighbor if, whether we could show them a video, and you know the Jesus film. We got a copy of it in Swahili. And they said, sure, we'll come to your house. Well, we had one solar panel. We had one battery, one small battery. And we invited the people to our house, and the entire village came to our courtyard. <laughs> and in our battery, we've got three lights. A green light is a full charge, and we had charged the battery all day. Orange is a half of a charge, and red means the charge is about to go out. We invited people together, and they began watching the Jesus film. And Oh, what joy to see those pixels dancing on their faces and seeing the person of Jesus Christ not long into the movie, and you know it's a long movie. I went into the house and it had already turned orange. My wife and I prayed. I went in right before Jesus was taken away to be crucified and it had turned red. And I said, God, these people need to know what the blood of Jesus Christ offers. I went in one last time and the, the light had turned green. You see, God wants people to know about the cross. But that message is not just for them out there, it's for us here. It's about growing in our sanctification. It's about receiving others. It's about, it's about tearing down those walls of hostility. In my analogy of the waves of the seashore, the cross is that which goes out into the world to enact salvation. And it's about that which brings us back into salvation to create this new humanity in Jesus Christ. It doesn't give us heightened status, as I said earlier. It doesn't give us any privileged place in which to stand. In fact, what it amounts to is more and more complexity and humility, and you often don't even understand who you are, but you understand that God is pulling things together in a beautiful way. And here's the thing, if we will not readily move in this direction, much like the Israelites who were taken away into exile, God is going to force this to happen in our midst. We are seeing a massive movement of people unlike anything world history has ever seen. 
It's like those Christmas snow globes that litter your grandmother's shelf, you know? God has chosen to shake this world. Global is no longer over there. Global is right here in Wilmore. God is moving people, and we don't understand it. Some of his economic reasons, some are persecution, some's warfare. But what God is doing is he's laying before us a reality, and he's saying, these people present the best hope for the future kingdom of God. Open your heart to them. Listen to their theology. Move into their spaces. Give your gifts to them, but receive your gifts from them. And brothers and sisters, we have before us an opportunity to inculcate these things within our own institution. And if we can't do it here, what really makes us think that we're going to do it out there? We need each other. In Swahili, we say, tuko pomoja, tuko pomoja. We are together. And it's a beautiful kind of togetherness in which gifts are given and gifts are received. We are sent out and we receive back together. If you come up to the ESJ school, you'll see a huge poster in which we have the mission statement of the institution and the 10 uh, strategic values of the 2023 strategic vision plan. We have all 10 of them listed out there and we have four of them highlighted to remind all of us faculty, students, staff, alumni, visitors, that this is where we're going. And the number one is that we need to serve the global church. And the other one is that we need to pursue a diverse, missionally-oriented student body. And I tell the students often, this is far too great for any administration. It's far too great for any purpose person. This is our collective responsibility. It's about making room within ourselves for others. It's about inculcating a new ethos here, this thicker identity that can go out into this world of complicated wickedness and sing a doxology that's going to change the world. It's not about ethnotourism, and that's the danger. We often focus upon the external forms, the trappings of, of diversity. We focus upon the clothes, and we focus of, upon the exotic foods, but the Holy Spirit is constantly taking us deeper into the lives of others. Listen to the ways they pray. Listen to the ways they sing. Listen to the theology. Listen to their hermeneutics. Moving together, no one has privileged seating, but together, tukopomoja, we move into this world through the blood of Jesus Christ and through the power of the Holy Spirit. Years ago, I was working, leading our faculty on, in Africa through a curriculum project, and in good African fashion, a one-year curriculum project lasted six years. Everybody needed to sit at the table. We dealt with every single syllabus at every single academic council meeting. And I was constantly pushing us as a faculty deeper into contextual realities, deeper into African theology. And I, I sensed resistance. I, I sensed that there was something going on there. And one day things came to a head. I recommended a book that is well known, written by African theologians. And the African faculty said no. So later I met with some of my close friends and I said, help me to understand what's happening here. And they shared with me that they were feeling trivialized. They were feeling marginalized. It's kind of like on this great library shelf, 
they were being put on one shelf with a tagline that said African theology. Everybody else does theology, but Africans do African theology. And I had to ask their forgiveness. Because sometimes what happens is that we, we move into the lives of others, we carry with us subtle messages of power, privilege, bias, distorted perspective. But to move into the lives of others requires vigilance, it requires sensitivity, it requires giving and receiving a gifts, it requires asking for forgiveness, it requires power together with all the saints. Finally, and this is an important reminder, diversity for the sake of diversity creates its own ills. We're not a bunch of marbles rattling around in a tin can of life, but we are integrated image bearers who move together into each other, thus into Christ for the kind of doxology that can change the world. Paul says it this way, in him the whole building is joined together and rises to become a holy temple in the Lord. And in him you too are being built together to become a dwelling in which God lives by his spirit. We need this hermeneutic community in all facets of our institution and in our congregations. We need it in our classrooms. We need it in our explicit curriculum. We need it in our implicit curriculum, the kinds of things that get caught when they're not taught. We need it in our theology and in our biblical hermeneutics. We need it in our ethics and in our ministries. We need it in our homes and, oh, brothers and sisters, we need it in the public places of this world because sometimes the chasms that exist in our world just seem so deep that if you fell into them, you would never get out. It's complicated wickedness, and God is doing something in this world with a complicated beauty integrated image bearers who come together. And isn't this how this passage ends? Diversity is not the end of it, but doxology is the end. And it's a doxology built upon Jesus Christ. We can only move into each other because of Jesus Christ, and we can only move into the world with Jesus Christ. Paul says, I pray that you being rooted and established in love, may have power together with all the saints to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ and to know this love that surpasses knowledge that you may be filled to the full measure of all the fullness of God. Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask and imagine according to his power that is work within us, to him be the glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations forever and ever. Amen. We live in this world of complicated wickedness. But God is doing a work that is far greater, with far more power, with far more influence, and he's doing it in us to create within us a new humanity. It's not some private spiritual activity reduced to the walls of the church, but it's a doxology that flows out into the streets where complicated wickedness abounds. And as we come together to participate in Eucharist, this is, this is precisely what we are doing here. We are coming together to forge a thicker identity through the cross of Jesus Christ as we move into Jesus Christ. 
And as we come to the cross, we find that we are made a new people with this new identity whereby we can go back out into that world of evil. Let us walk into the arms of this new humanity as we walk into the arms of Jesus Christ. And as we walk into the arms of Jesus Christ in the cross, let us experience something of that beautiful doxological flow that allows us to grasp how wide and long and high and deep is the love of Christ. And to know this love that surpasses knowledge that you may be filled to all the measure of the fullness of God.